Welcome to Sports BKC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Monday, April 13th. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Star columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger stop by today, and we catch up on several topics, starting with the idea that the Chiefs return nearly every starter from the Super Bowl championship team. Some might say that's not always a great thing, that new blood is required to keep a team energized. Hear what Sam and Vahe have to say. After a break, we switch gears and talk about what sport may be best positioned to restart in a post-COVID-19 world. We talk about how a new division for the Royals, and new divisions is one of the plans baseball is contemplating, playing games at the, the spring training sites in Arizona and Florida, how that could impact the Royal season. And where should a Mizzou-KU football series be played? On campus, at a neutral site? We talk about that. All of this on today's Sports BKC. Let's get started. What's up, fellas? Fella? Blair? Sam, Vahe, great to be with you guys again. Um, we're doing this a little differently this time. We have Sam over the the wireless. Vahe and I are under the same roof, but uh, spacing, doing the uh, social spacing thing. Yeah, social spacing. Plus, I'm I'm just spacing out anyway, so we're we're in pretty good shape. Double double duty. So last week, um, I I really dropped the ball. I was remiss in not mentioning some of the COVID nineteen grooming tips that uh, that some of us are practicing. <laughs> I gotta admit, Sam, I have never seen you in uh, in uh, what will we call that? What should we call that? Um, buzz cut? A COVID cut? <laughs> COVID cut? There was some Eminem reference out there. I thought I saw. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Somebody. Hey, man, you wear it well. Yeah, right. Um, I'm not as bald as I thought I was gonna be when I did it, so that was nice. <laughs> hey, I've never been able to clarify this. I assume you did that. Four slash two yourself. Yeah, uh, that's a <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. I mean, it was um, look, guys. Like I remember thinking, I need to get my hair cut before the Big Twelve tournament because this is starting to look ridiculous, <laughs> and I need to get it cut before basketball starts, and I'll never get it cut. So I didn't. You know what happened after that? Um, so it was just it, it was <laughs> it was way past time. Um, just took some shears. Um, kind of guessed on some things. Uh, Kate, my wife, if we were on video, I would air quote this, but helped me um, <laughs> with, uh, with the back, and I ended up with a little bit of a bald spot in the back. But I figure, you know what, like if there's every time in your life to have just a crap-ass haircut, like now is probably the time. Yeah, as far as we know, we might, I mean, maybe you're getting out a little bit, but seeing you on the uh, Monday Star Sports Staff teleconference is about the uh, only time your, your public <laughs> is seeing you, right? Or that, I guess you did a little Channel 41 bit that somebody's wife in here may or may not have intruded into the Twitter <laughs> world where she does not belong. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been, um, you know, like, I, I don't think I've filled up a gas at the Big 12 tournament. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's still pretty close to full. <laughs> the grocery store's not that far away. So, uh, yeah, I've been here. <laughs> I've been here. And the shame is the price of gas is as low as I can remember. It's dollar. I, I know. I want to hoard it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I thought people should be hoarding, not toilet paper. That, that's right. 
All right. Hey, so since uh, last we spoke, a couple things have happened on the Chiefs front, probably the most significant being Brashard Breland's uh, signing. I I got a couple questions I want to ask you guys about that. But first of all, that I think next to you know the decision on Chris Jones, uh, whether to franchise tag him or you know, signed to a long, long-term deal, which is still out there, right? Uh, he is franchise tag. This was the most significant of the free agent signings for the Chiefs. Agree? Um, since, yeah. I'm, since I'm right here, I'll chime in real quick, Sam. Just, you know, I, I, we got talking about him a lot, and he looked like a really interesting X factor in, in both in terms of what, they're, what they would have the ability to do, but also the spirit to do. And I... I, I think uh, you documented this just in a little tidbit on Twitter the other day, but you've written about it before, too. I mean, he had, uh, he had some ups and downs, but big upward arc and uh, big moments when they needed him most. Um, and I, I, I think this is uh, – it's not really subtle, but it's, it's, it's not a Chris Jones kind of securing, but I think it's pretty big, and I think it's testimony to how much they're trying to keep the gang together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, um, look, like his, you know, if, you, if you're into this kind of thing, I am. Uh, but like his pro football focus numbers are pretty terrible uh, from last year's coverage grade. Uh, but that doesn't match up. And as much as I like analytics and everything else, I also like to actually watch the games. And, um, that doesn't match with what I feel like I saw um, game in, game out, watching every snap. Uh, of the season at least a few times I mean, um, he, he had some big misses um, but he made some really huge plays and uh, I know he's not young I think he's 20 28 um, and you know for that position uh, that's a little bit old yeah he's 28 uh, just turned 28 in January um, for that position that's not kind of you know the meat of the career uh, he's not that fast um, so I mean you could knock him, but to me, um, I, I thought he was going to get a really big contract. I thought he was going to get the kind of contract that Kevin Fuller ended up getting, actually. Um, but I, I, like when I think of Bashan Breeman last year, I think of that Patriots game. And and he was pretty terrible uh, in, in the first half and early. He got uh, you know some penalties, if I remember right, and uh, you know, gave up some plays. And um, But then, you know, he saved the game. Um, he absolutely saved the game. And um, he had that great interception where he fooled Tom Brady and he fooled Chris Collinsworth on the broadcast, too. Um, and, and, and then, you know, knocked the ball down in the end zone to, to save the game. And I'm actually looking at his pro football focus grade from that game. He was a 63.8 in coverage, uh, which isn't great at all. Uh, but to me, that doesn't tell the story of the impact that he had on that game. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think that that can be said for him throughout. I mean, just the, the Detroit game, you know, he really cut down on penalties as the season went on. And I have to think that that's due in large part to, to getting a, a growing comfort with what the Chiefs were trying to do. So um, I think he outplayed that pro football focus number. Um, I think he's better than a guy that you should be able to get for one year, four and a half million dollars. I, I think it's great time. I think, Sam, am I right? Or Blair, am I right? Didn't he have, like, Penalties on either back-to-back plays or two, two, three plays on that, on that one drive you were referring to, and, and, and yeah, yeah. It, According to this, he was called for two. One was accepted. Yeah. Um, and okay. Then, and gave up. 
two catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. I'm holding in uh, my hands here the uh, the flip card from the Super Bowl, which has uh, the team's two deeps on here. And uh, as I go down the Chiefs offense and the Chiefs defense here, you know, there's some names that aren't going to be back with the Chiefs last uh, next season, but mostly, almost entirely, the starting lineup is returning. The two guys, the two guys that uh, started the Super Bowl that will not be back with the Chiefs, Stefan Wisniewski and Ken, and Fuller didn't start. Uh, Reggie Ragland did. Now Ragland, and they started three linebackers. Ragland started, and when they started a, a nickelback, then Kendall Fuller started. So. First of all, let's establish that there are times when you need a new you need new blood. You know, the, the Patriots don't never seem to bring back the same team after winning a Super Bowl. But in this case, I, I don't. I, I just get a sense that people are pretty happy that so many guys are back with the Chiefs. It's interesting with the Patriots because they had certain mainstays, but also they were just they were willing to get rid of people before they aged, basically. Or you know, and or see things as parts. The thing that I, I'd have to study this more, but I think that's a little different. This is still such a young nucleus with the Chiefs that I I think I mean whether it's now I guess Travis Kelsey's pushing that concept, but he's certainly in his prime. Um, but this is still a team that that's immediate future is pretty uh, pretty ripe with that, and so I guess that's sort of what's behind that. But it's an interesting philosophical difference, Blair, and it. It does make me think about something that we'll probably look at as we get closer to the season, which is, if, if memory serves, the, the Chiefs, after winning the Super Bowl last time, didn't make the playoffs the next year. So what do you think, Sam? Yeah, well, look, I, I feel pretty strongly that the, that Patriots way that Bob was just talking about is the right way to go. I, I think you need new blood. I think that no two seasons are alike. And um, I think there's strategic reasons to change. I think there's motivational reasons to change. I mean, I, I think that that's generally the way to go, and the Patriots are proving that over time, and I think a lot of teams do make a mistake of, of waiting too long. All that said, I am all in on what the Chiefs are doing. I, I, I think that, for a few reasons, I think that um, their roster's pretty young. You know? Um, I, I'm just trying to think of, of who are the guys that you feel like are at that point in their career where they're about to fall off. They're not going to hit 100 percent on it on all this, obviously. But you know, I think Mitchell Schwartz is. You know, let's not forget about somebody. Um, is Mitch Schwartz the oldest of you know, kind of what you'd consider the core of that team? And I don't think he's within three or four years of a career fall off. You know, the position he plays, the work he puts in, the consistency. So, um, and, and I also think that this can't be ignored. Is, um, has there ever been an NFL offseason where continuity is, is more valuable? And, you know, not just with the roster, but with the coaching staff. Yeah. And, and here's a team that, in the last two years, the only team that's been able to stop the Chiefs offense is the 2018 Chiefs defense. And they're that good, and they don't even lose their offense coordinator. And, and their quarterback is 24 or 25. They're, you know, their best receivers, 20. 25. Uh, Travis Kelsey is 29, 30. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's a roster that I think you could imagine aging well, at least in, in the very short term. So I, I think it's 100% the right strategy uh, 
to try and keep all these guys together. Does this change the way they approach the draft now? Because we were all thinking cornerback yeah. just a couple of weeks ago um, with with Breland back. Um, they're, they're still – and they signed um, – who was that? Antonio Hamilton. Um, what's, is, is, is corner or slash defense still the – the, the guess on on uh, for the first round pick. Well, so I, I think like look like I think thirty one teams would trade rosters for the Chiefs. Um, so these are sort of high level criticisms, but I think there's three spots where you know you could see them really trying to upgrade, and it's, it's still corner to me, and uh, a linebacker, especially one that can cover, and the interior of the offensive line, and um, I think those are the spots that. They will and should target early. If it was up to me, I still think you go with a corner. I, I just with, with their cap situation and and the value that's put on that position. That it, that's the best talent that's going to be available to them is, is um, you know through the draft with that thirty second pick for a corner. So that's what I'd like to see him do. And I think you can get a linebacker with some coverage skills a little bit later, and and they've proven an ability to find interior alignment you know deeper into the draft. So, but you know EPA right best player available. Yeah, and it's going to be a it's a good year for corners, but uh, a lot of teams are targeting that position. I'm not sure unless the Chiefs trade up. There's some guy they really like that um, that there'll be somebody at 32 that um, that's in the top three or four at that position for the Chiefs. We'll have to see. And look, there's going to be a lot of draft coverage in the Star and on KansasCity.com and on this podcast over the next week and a half. So stay tuned for that. Hey, let's take a break and we'll talk about some other sporting issues when we get back. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Back with Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger. Hey, hey, Sam, I really enjoyed the um, Mellinger Minutes for the Years on Friday. A terrific podcast. If you're not listening to it, get subscribed, get this thing. The, uh, the Gary Woodland interview was just terrific. And I wanted to ask you a question off of that, and that is uh, the suggestion that golf may be best positioned to be the first sport back. Um, in in, yeah. in some form, you know that uh, maybe not familiar with galleries and uh, maybe maybe some other differences, but Gary seemed to think that uh, golf was in a pretty good position to be the first sport back. Yeah, and I agree with him too. Uh, and I do hope not just for selfish reasons or whatever. I do hope people listen to it. I think Gary brought up uh, you know some good points. It's not just about playing the golf, right? Like, there's a lot more to put on a tournament that would have to be addressed in these times. You know, there's there's locker rooms, there's meals, there's, you know, there's just, there's volunteers, there's a lot of 
you know, logistic um, that, that would have to be managed. But if you just think about the, the actual sport, it's the only sport that can be played in, you know, a familiar way while following social distancing. And, and, and not just that, but um, with players not touching the same equipment. You know, and, and, and right there specifically, I'm thinking about tennis, right? Like, I think tennis has some advantages, but, you know, you still have the ball. Um, and, you know, the, I, I don't know what the health experts would, would say about that. But golf, you could have, you could get creative, right? Like, you could have a caddy, um, you know, carry the bag or maybe even be in a cart, and the player grabs his own club that's been sanitized before. And he's the only one that touches the club. You can have a volunteer at the course, you know, um, pulling each pin volunteer raking the traps you know so so that nobody touches anything other than the ground or their golfer their own club and that, I think that you can close your eyes and kind of picture how that would work and I also think and Gary brought this up on his own too that you know, there's obviously a huge financial incentive in every league and every business um, around all this but for golf for whichever sport and golf is positioned to do it but um, you imagine if they're the first sport back playing like competitively you know even without fans and all that stuff their TV ratings would be through the roof <laughs> and you know obviously there's some exposure short term and long term uh, benefits in that right like and, and you know who knows how many how many golf fans can can you create just by being you know um, maybe it's in the best term but just you have a captive sports audience uh, you know if this is the only thing on I mean, people are watching old spelling bees <laughs> you know, they're not going to watch a live, like, real golf tournament. Um, yeah, I, it's a huge opportunity, and I think they are positioned to, to take advantage. I thought that was interesting. All right, so let me ask you, what do you guys think of a division, a baseball division for the Royals that includes the Milwaukee Brewers, the San Diego Padres, the Seattle Mariners, and the Texas Rangers? This is our grapefruit division. I mean, I'm sorry, our cactus, cactus division. A cactus division. Yeah. If, if baseball returns in that way, that would be games played only in Arizona at the spring training sites. You know, just looking at those teams, those are the teams that are in Peoria and Surprise, and then the Brewers, I forgot where their home base is, but it must be close to Peoria and Surprise. And that's one of the suggestions, one of the models that baseball is considering uh, it hasn't been, I don't think it's been shot down yet. This came out late last week, but uh, kind of interesting. Would you? Um, uh, I'd watch those. I'd watch some games. Well, what, what I don't know about the model, and, I, and I'm sorry, I'm not more conversant in it. Is, is it would it be based effectively? That's their whole schedule until they get to this sort of hybrid playoff. Is that the notion? I don't know if we know that. I don't know yeah. if you're gonna. That's going to be the entire 100 game season or. And you know if if, there, if there's an all clear in September or October that you could bring baseball back to the you know originating cities or not, but um, I don't know. I was kind of struck by this idea in the concept. All of these things I think are very interesting, and I think that the big question for everybody is you know the hunger for the return of the sport versus the abandonment of kind of the the aspects of it as we know it, right? Like just saying. We're winging it, and it's kind of different and kind of cool, and, and the willingness of people to embrace that. I think we'd embrace it. I'd embrace it. I think it would be interesting. It's just funny, though, of all sports, baseball tends to, it seems to me, follow this sort of 
structured lineage where you feel like everything's in the context of its ancestors. I think we would just have to understand, and I think we can get there, that this is a throw-it-all-out, one-time-only, presumably, hopefully, <laughs> uh, model of it. And I, I can get with it. I can get behind it. We think, Sam. Yeah, when, what, well, one thing that I've always loved about baseball uh, is that they're pretty terrible at not keeping secrets. And I think a lot of these ideas are, are things that you, you can't be sure exactly how seriously they're being discussed. You know, if, if there's a meeting with 12 people in it and somebody says, ah, screw it, like, let's just do it, you know, geographically by the uh, practice reason, you know, like, is that now an established idea that they're talking about? Um, look, I, I, I think that there's, there's two ways that I look at it, at least. Um, these specific models is, is one it'd be good for the Royals you know if, if you're not a favorite you know the shorter the season the more the better chance you have right um, the 2000 the 2003 Royals were in first place after like 120 games and they were in fourth place after 162 and and the other thing that I look at it um, other than being you know potentially good for the Royals still low chances and make it postseason is just, I, I keep thinking, my God, like baseball is willing to do absolutely everything. They, they are willing to move mountains, as the metaphor goes, um, to, to salvage something of a 2020 season. And then I also think, like, there's a reason mountains don't move. <laughs> you know, like, all, all of these ideas just seem, you know, uh, desperate. I don't mean that as a criticism, because these are desperate times, right? Um, but there's just, there's so many reasons that won't work and the testing has to be better and I think that for most of these sports like just that's the entry point right like we assume that testing will be you know not just more plentiful but, but quicker um, and then once that happens you, you know you can you can play around with some scenarios but all these things also like so teams are going to be like sequestered basically in hotels and you know with their own rooms and not touching anybody but then when somebody gets on first base, he's going to be standing right next to the first baseman. You know, as soon as there's a, a guy on first and a grounder to short, that guy on first is going to be sliding into the shortstop. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just, you can't have guys in the dugout next to each other, but, um, you know, you can have the catcher and the batter, you know, right next to each other. Yeah. Um, you know, dozens and dozens of times every game. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I hope like hell that it, that it happens. It just seems like there's, there's a whole and you know like so many things too it, it's uh, you can think about all the things they might account for that can't that then realize all the things that can't be accounted for one of the reasons yeah. that the models you guys both touted about golf really stands up more is that, that you can plainly see the more controllable elements um, uh-huh. here there's just the automatically more moving parts and then the thing I keep thinking about is sort of a minor point but you can go to all these elaborate lengths to try to set this up, and all you get, all you need, is one infection, and it just right. everything's gone. And and so right. it's, that that's it, that kind of goes to your mountain moving point. You get all it all comes down to an acceptable level of risk. Yeah. What what, yeah. what becomes yeah. the acceptable level of risk? Um, yeah. And once once that's determined, then we'll see we'll yeah. see, see some action, I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, Final note. Um, so Jesse Newell had reported the, the the prospect of KU and MU meeting on the 
on the gridiron a couple of months ago, but it, it got rekindled last week because I guess Jim Sterk sent out a notice to donors and in that it said they were close closing in on a on a contract uh, to return the to re- revive the the border war football game. My question, all right, let me put it let me put it to you this way. What would be the preferable sequence of sites for a border war football return, knowing that the basketball series, the six-year basketball series, will have two games at Sprint Center, two in Lawrence, and two in Columbia. Should something similar be considered for MUKU football? I, I tell you what, my, my first thought was they ought to all be here. All at Arrowhead. All at Arrowhead. I just think there's a more natural groundswell for it. I think the football programs are different animals than, than the basketball programs, especially than the one in Lawrence. And, and I, don't, I think if you examine the football rivalry over the years, it, certainly it's been at its peak here, right? Just coincidentally with those games being scheduled here when the teams were you know, in a, a out statistical outlier of where the programs have been at the same time. I, I find it harder to picture strong attendance from both teams on campus sites, from both sets of fans. I'm not – could be totally wrong, um, but I, I, I picture a, a semi, you know, three-fourths full-ish arrowhead, even if the teams aren't, aren't great here. Uh, but I, I'm just guessing. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I, um, I'd be okay with that. Um, but I, I think it would make sense to move it as well. Um, you know, maybe you do in Arrowhead the first year, and then either Lawrence or Columbia the second year, and then either Lawrence or Columbia, you know, and just switch it the next year, and then the fourth game would be Arrowhead. Um, I, I just, I do like campus sites, and, you know, there, there's fewer, you know, there, there's less blowback. I mean, I, I think that uh, whenever games are moved out of college town, um, you know, there's some blowback from local businesses about, you know, we rely on these games, you know, for business and all that. So I, I'm a little bit sensitive to that. I'd be, I'd be all for Ford Arrowhead, you know, look, the next 40 at Arrowhead, um, or, or just switching it around. I think either one would be great. Well, the, the reason, well, I, we haven't heard the reasons publicly stated by Jeff Long or Jim Sterk for renewing. I hope we will at a press conference. They didn't even have a press conference when they announced the basketball series. That was just a, a release, yeah. but uh, issued by both schools. But I think we know what's going on here in, in, in basketball <laughs> as well. I mean, college sports needs money. KU football needs to generate some income. Yeah. And it could probably be done in a bigger way at Arrowhead than it could happen in Lawrence or Columbia I think if you're a Kansas football fan and it's your home game and it's at Arrowhead, you're going to attract 30,000 Missouri fans that wouldn't be coming over to Lawrence. And with that uh, ticket-buying power plus whatever sponsorship money is involved, there is the financial reason to to make it a you know, a neutral site game at Arrowhead. But I, I do have I, – I, I am – I have sensitivity to – Moving games away from campus, not for the merchants, but for the students, making them get in cars and driving to um, uh, driving to uh, the, the Arrowhead and not being able to just walk across campus. And keep in mind that this season, Missouri is playing an Arrowhead Stadium game against Arkansas the Friday after Thanksgiving. So um, I'll be interested to see how that one yeah, yeah. attends. I think yeah. 
people are underestimating Arkansas's travel ability. That's that's a Missouri home game. Arkansas have a lot of fans there, I suspect. So, all right, hey Sam Vahe, thanks for hanging out today. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. That will do it for today. Thanks for listening, and to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Cap tip to Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger. And let me repeat something I mentioned earlier. Listen to Sam's podcast, Mellinger Minutes for the Ears. It's really good stuff. Now, you need a digital subscription to get it. And how do you get that subscription? I'm glad you asked. Account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That not only gets you Sam's podcast, but everything the star has to offer on its website. We'll be back on Tuesday for another Sports BKC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.